Grunthal keeps leaving, turns that five sideways. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Justified Cultures, is on the air. Fueled by a passion, focused on motocross. Fly racing, Bill's Pipes, W Wheels, Maxima USA, Moto Ice Wrap, 100% Goggles, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing and Justified Cultures. I am your host, Brad Gephardt. With us on the line, we've got none other than one of my favorite motocross historians. He goes by the name of Tony Blazer. What's up? Tony, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You're bringing the heat as always. Lots of motocross knowledge. And uh, for the third year in a row, ready to talk some uh, Supercross? I'm down. Let's do it. Awesome. And also with us on the line, our favorite motocross shutterbug owner of the scrub sheet goes by the name of Mike Sweeney. Mike, how's it going? Hey, everybody. How are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And how about them Bruins? Hey, did you see last night? Yes, I did. Quite they the victory. They had fashion tilt against the Canadians. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's always a special thing when original six matchups line up. Don't you, just, don't you agree, Tony? I have no idea what you're talking about. Perfect. And, uh, as, as, and, for, and for, those, for those who don't already know, uh, Tony Blazer, a diehard Redskins fan. So I have one question for you, Tony. Oh, boy, here it is. Okay. How about them Cowboys? Oh, <laughs> I gotta be honest. As much as I can't stand the Cowboys, I can't follow them. They're having a hell of a year. So, hey, yeah, oh, every hey, the Redskins I don't, I don't are want, good honestly, though. This year. They are. They're playing. At least we have an offense. I, I didn't think you. I didn't think uh, Cowboys were gonna get past them a couple weeks ago. Say, what'd you say? I, I couldn't hear you again. What'd you say about Brad? I didn't think the Cowboys were going to get past uh, uh, Redskins a couple weeks ago when they faced off. That was like, I've literally every single week, I haven't seen a single Cowboys game uh, on TV just because I've been way too busy with this, that, and the other thing. And I check my phone to see the scores, and every single week, I'm surprised that they they want, they want another one. And of course, this week, I kind of thought that they'd be able to knock off the Giants, and sure as shit, they lost. So, um, yeah, like, uh, Giants are starting to play good football. Um, Redskins have been playing good football all year long. Uh, Dallas is my team. They are leading that division. But this is a motocross podcast, and people are going to turn this off if I continue to talk about it. Um, <laughs> for the third year in a row, Big MX Radio Podcast bring you a Supercross uh, review show. Uh, this have this being one of the uh, the most researched and uh, and most homework done um, to really break down this. Um, this series, this series here in 2017 for Supercross, I myself have done about 10 minutes uh, of homework, I think. Uh, so combined with what Tony's done and now and also Mike, uh, it's a total of about 12 minutes of, 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 uh, of, of prep for this. And uh, we're, we're looking good walking into this. Doing work. 
And here yeah, we're and, doing and, work. And, absolutely, not <laughs> stop, look, at, be, because they make uh, they should make all the money because uh, the that other class that we won't talk about till later doesn't deserve the spotlight. Let's start off with the uh, uh, the premier class, the four fifties, and. Um, what better place to uh, start off with uh, with last year's champ Ryan Dungey uh, pulled out of the outdoors uh, outdoor series uh, rather early. Obviously, a back problem ended up being able to uh, come back for the Monster Energy Cup as well as the uh, SMX uh, Cup thing that happened in was that Germany. Um, but we honestly haven't seen too much from Ryan. That's not uh, not much of a surprise considering he's part of the Alden Baker program. Uh, Tony Blazer. I know you yourself are a uh, are a fan of uh, of our D five. Um, what can we expect? And uh, coming off of such a, a strong season last year, uh, getting the backs figured out, and uh, probably feeling rested, ready to go. What can, what do you think we can expect from uh, from RD come uh, from gate drop on the seventh January? I, I would expect him to be pretty much the same guy he was last year. Um, I think if one thing Ryan's shown, he's been consistent. You know, he's going to be in shape. Um, especially if there if there is talk of going to like longer mains this year, I think that'll play into Ryan's favor. Um, I think hopefully the time off is done in you know they didn't do like Bradshaw where he took the time off and then lost interest in things. I think he has uh, that that drive and that commitment to keep going. Um, I think he probably wants to get one more title before he hangs up his boots. So I, I look forward to another good year from Ryan. I think the real question is going to be as uh, his competition stepped it up, you know. Totally agree. Now, uh, Mike, uh, what um, what are the advantages? What are the disadvantages of this kind of going into the foxhole, um, zoning in on the task at hand, but not really getting a whole lot of gate drops during this uh, this off season? We always talk about these guys; they're basically racing year round. But uh, over the last calendar year, Ryan Dungey does not have as many uh, gate drops. Arguably, almost half as many gate drops as some of the guys that he'll be facing off against on the seventh of January. Um, does that does that make for a, a cold Ryan Dungey, is that diesel going to take a little while to warm up? What are your thoughts? You know, he's so mentally strong. I don't really think that's going to be a problem for him. Um, what I always find interesting is, you know, the first few rounds are kind of settling the pecking order to see who is going to be the guy for that season and kind of get that mental edge on everybody. So, you know, the first few rounds are kind of a, a war of the wills as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's the most interesting thing about it is to see, you know, who's ready to get at it and uh, who's going to be that guy for that season. Uh, but, you know, Ryan has a lot going on this year. He's looking to join uh, the Hurricane, the King, the Goat, and uh, RV2 as the first rider to win three in a row. And uh, that's, you know, that's a huge accomplishment. So uh, I'm looking forward to see uh, what happens. Absolute. Now uh, let's let's uh, stay with the KTM's and let's stay with that uh, intestinal fortitude uh, platform that we were talking about. Uh, and uh, moving down the line with KTM, I find two guys that uh, I think there's a lot of fans out there as well as industry uh, professionals that would kind of question the the, the intestinal fortitude of both. Uh, Marvin Muskan and and Trey Kennard. Of course, Trey has been able to come back from industry uh, injuries over the past, uh, but still, uh, at times, d- doesn't quite doesn't 
recently doesn't seem to have that same fight that he had earlier in his career. Um, Tony, what do you make of these two kind of B1 and B2 riders on the KTM team? What do you expect from them? And uh, can these two challenge for wins if, uh, if their heart's in the right place? Um, challenge for wins. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I was at Atlanta last year when Marvin, I thought he had it one before, uh, the number seven got in the way as a lapper there. Um, oh, I think he yeah. legitimately on the, oh, oh, that was such a dagger. I lost my mind when that happened. Mm. Um, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, if, if he gets a good start and he's up front and the track is technical, I think Marvin definitely has the speed to pull off a win. I don't know that I would consider him, a real threat for the title. He hasn't shown that the consistency and the, I, I don't know that he's got that, that intestinal fortitude, that toughness um, that you yep. need. Um, I think if he's kind of like a Wyndham and if everything comes together he, and he's comfortable, he, he's got more than enough speed to make it happen. Um, but if, if things aren't just so, I'm not so sure that he's going to gut out that second or that third that you need to take on your off day to be a real title contender. As for Trey, I mean, he's definitely shown he's got the speed. I mean, he could he could come out and win the the first round. It wouldn't surprise me back a bit and be like Millsap did a few years ago. He, he's got plenty of speed if he's comfortable on the bike. I think the question is going to be if he can keep it on two wheels. The same thing as it's always been with him. He's you know he sometimes has shown a little bit of a too much of a willingness to hang it out. And although he's dialed that back in the last couple of years, you know. Um, I just don't know that he's really a, a realistic contender for a title either just because of the same thing. I, I don't see him having a consistent um, speed to run up front every round and not hit the ground. You know, when he's super fast, then he crashes. If he backs it down, he's fifth and sixth. So um, I, I don't expect you're going to see a whole lot different trade than you saw last year on the Honda. Now, Mike, uh, both, the, both the guys we were just talking about here, Marvin and Trey, uh, are, are extremely talented. They've got speed for days. They've both uh, had uh, top qualifying uh, times in, in qualifying over the past years. Uh, they, they have that speed. They have that skill set. Um, which one of you would you give the nod to as far as having that, that edge, that mental capacity, that intestinal fortitude to establish themselves as the, as the for sure at least the, the B rider, the second best uh, KTM uh, orange bike out there uh, in the 450 class? I would have to go with Marvin. Uh, simply because he's not coming back from injury. Uh, he had a great off-season uh, over in Europe, so he got a lot of good gate drops and spent a lot of time on the bike. And You know, he's coming into the season with some confidence. And, uh, you know, we've seen that kind of thing carry over before uh, for other riders. So, yeah, I, I would definitely lean with Marvin. Now, uh, so that being said, Trey Kennard, um, like obviously, this is uh, for me. It was a bit of a surprise to see him go to KTM. Uh, he, I wouldn't say that he outstayed his welcome, but uh, I think Honda gave him as as much rope as they could as far as uh, what he was going to do with, with with their machine. Change of scenery. Um, what's what's the best uh, best best scenario for uh, for Trey throughout the 2017 season, Tony? Um, can we see podiums? Can we see uh, challenges for a championship um, from him? And does does uh, we talked about earlier about those those first three races, kind of uh, phys- like sorting people out? Um, 
are, does does basically Trey Canard's season depend on those top those first three races? So if those extremely go well, he's in the title fight fight and he, and he fights for it. Or if he's out of it by by the by the third round, say if he's eighth in points and after round three, um, do we see a, the Trey Canard of 2016-15, where uh, um, just kind of a back down Trey, a guy that's uh, not really willing to hang it out the way we've seen in the past. You know, I, I will be curious to see how he looks um, in the first couple of rounds on the KTM, just making the switch. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't think he is a like I said a title contender. I think on the right day and the right circumstances, he could be a challenger for uh, a win. But I got to be honest, if I had to put money on it, I would say no. I don't think he's going to win. I think he's very easily could get a podium, especially if he does stay healthy and the war of attrition starts knocking some of the top guys down. But at this point in his career, after all he's gone through, I don't see him beating Dungey. I don't see him beating Roxon. Um, I don't really see him beating Eli. So it would be tough. I mean, yes, if everything falls in his way, sure. He could, he could get a win. I mean, strange things happen. Doug Buck got a win, you know, oddball things happen. But in general, I would say uh, in terms of raw speed, I, I'm not so sure he still has what would be necessary to beat the top guys. All right. Now, two guys that uh, are, are basically uh, – I wouldn't – well, uh, Davey Millsaps last year we saw have an up-and-down season with, uh, with, with the uh, former BTO team, now the uh, Rocky Mountain uh, ATV uh, team on KTM's they have full full factory support. Um, basically, uh, it's it's a full factory motor with some bolt-ons as well. Um, those t- that team features two fo- two four fifty guys rather than three. Blake Baggett and Davey Millsaps. Um, Mike, what what do you really expect from from the uh, the Rocky Mountain team this year? Uh, Blake Baggett obviously will uh, will circle uh, Daytona on the on the calendar for him to see for to see his season's <laughs> best. Um, but uh, like in, in a lot of ways, um, it's. It's Blake Baggett, a guy who he's won an outdoor title on a 250. Uh, he's had some good showings, but um, he's, he hasn't quite established himself as a, as a serious um, uh, contender or a guy who's going to stick up at the front. And then uh, Davey Millsaps, in a lot of ways, like he, obviously he's re-energized. He's got himself a Canadian title. Uh, he felt what it's like to be out front again. Um, which one of these? Which one of these two do you kind of give the nod to as to lead that two uh, two rider team? You know, it's funny when we were talking about, you know, who's going to be B1 and B2 on KTM, you know, whether it would be Marvin or Trey, I was wondering to myself, what if it's Millsaps? Uh, you know, just thinking about, what was it, 13 when he came out on the Suzuki at the beginning of the season? It was just untouchable. Oh, that was uh, amazing. Was that 13 or 12? Yeah, it was great. I was 13. And, uh, I think it was 13, too. But, you know, the talents there, it seems that his fitness level is super high right now. Uh, you know, the best he's come in into a season probably since that year. Uh, so, you know, I think David could very well be, you know, that B1 guy uh, on KTM, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, but, you know, the, he's got that raw talent and speed. And, uh, you know, he's shown that you can win races. And uh, I think he's he's kind of maturing and, uh, you know, just getting better with age. So, yeah, I, th- I think uh, – Davey's going to be the better of those two. Um, you know, Blake has never really shown that, that indoors this is his thing. 
he's a more, you know, hold it wide open and uh, let it rip kind of rider, you know, excellent on the rough tracks and the sand tracks and, and the heat, you know, that's more his thing than uh, Supercross. Totally, and and uh, and and much to the uh, delight of one Tony Blazer, he's uh, he's put down that just one helmet for 2017. I believe you'll see him in a flyline. <laughs> oh, that's an awful thing. Fucking oh, right. Um, well, like Davy Millsaps, oh. I'd like to hope that he's getting better with age because he disappointed in youth. Um, like Tony, are you of the? Are you uh, like a, uh, kind of the similar of the mind that I am that uh, you've been waiting for Davy Millsaps to have that awesome season? Because I know he had his year in oh, I think it was two thousand and six. 250F, where he got that champ, he got his championship. Uh, it was great to see. Finally, had a good year on uh, on the little bike, and then since then, kind of a rinse, lather, repeat. Uh, injuries, potential win, injuries, w- potential, uh, and then flashes of brilliance. Like after a kid that uh, honestly, other than like, there, I can't really think of too many other riders that gave uh, gave the 800 a look in uh, as as an amateur. Like this kid was supposed to be the next coming when it, when uh, when he stepped onto the scene in Minneapolis 2004. 2004. Um, were you a fan of this kid growing up, and, and then uh, ever since then, kind of just waiting to see if he could make something happen? Um, I was no, I wouldn't say I was ever. I, a huge Millsaps fan when he, you know, when he was first coming out or anything. Um, I did, I will say I was super psyched with him that year on the rock star Suzuki when he kind of came out and won the first round. And, um, I think, you know, a lot of people give Millsaps grief about his career, but if you look back at him, he finished on the JGR Yamahas. He had a couple of good years. I think he finished second or third a couple of times. And, uh, he, he did have some good, rides in between all the injuries the problem has been yeah he's just wadded himself up you know the time he hurt himself at buds and lost a kidney and jacked himself up so many times i mean if you ever saw the a picture of his knee after that uh rock star year when he got his knee fixed i mean his knee was bending at some unnatural angle it was just disgusting like how is he even walking much less riding so the guy is crazy beat himself yeah, I know. It's amazing. And I, I would love to see Davey come out and have another year. I, I, I kind of hoped he was going to do it when um, he finally came back from all of those injuries and he was on Monster Kawasaki, but that yeah. just was a you know a disaster. Um, maybe the, the whole Canadian thing has helped him get his mojo back and his confidence up. I, I, I'd love to see it. I, I like That's what I'm thinking. I think he's a cool dude. Um, I, I would love to see him get back up there. And you're right, I think potential wise he should have bag it covered in supercross i mean outdoors no but in supercross i think davy's got more natural talent he's more like a raw machine kind of guy he's just got a lot of raw talent and i don't know that he's always put in the the training and the effort and stuff for things to come together for him um but if he's had a good off season he, he could come out surprising people it'd be awesome if he does Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, it's 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 amazing to see a guy like um, Davey. Like, a lot of guys rip on him. A lot of guys, uh, a lot of fans, uh, like he's he's gotten a lot of flack over the years. But the bottom line is, is he's been a uh, uh, a professional for 15 years now. And anyone who uh, has has stayed in a sport that long has shown uh, has, has delivered, has shown has shown amazing skill, and uh, had a lot of people still trust in his ability. And uh, if that's no vote confidence i don't know what is yeah the guy's obviously got tons of talent um and he's, he has a lot of injuries he's continued to get rides he's shown potential 
I mean, I would have thought a lot of people would have given up on him on that whole thing where he, you know, when they switched from Suzuki to Husqvarna, or I guess it was KTM at that point, and they, um, he didn't, whether he didn't want to ride the bikes or he was really hurt, I don't know, whatever happened there, there was a lot of questions about that. Um, but he got that second chance with Monster, and, you know, he's done pretty well on the KTMs. I, I hope the heck it's, we see another Davey Renaissance this year. Sir, yes, sir. Now uh, switching switching brands and uh, and going to a rider who did switch brands, Ken Roxon finds himself on the the coveted uh, HRC Honda. Uh, I know um, Tony, you're a huge fan of this team. Lots of builds, lots of photos, lots of tribute bikes uh, have been made in mo- in uh, in tribute to the uh, the the Honda uh, Racing Corporation. They. Um, they they do racing right, and obviously there's a little bit there was a little bit of a, a lag on on parts. But uh, I'm trying to think of a single rider who took their career, went to Honda, and and saw their their uh, career take a downturn. I just can't think of anybody. Can you? Oh, that's a good question. I actually, saw their career go down. Um, Maybe Justin Brayton, but that's because of injury. Yeah, well, he didn't go to factory Honda though, so I don't know. I'm sure if you if you count two fifties and everything else, um, there are plenty of guys who've gone to Honda and haven't. You know, it hasn't worked out, but yeah, in general, I mean, even though Honda really hasn't won in America in a long time, there still is a certain cachet to HRC and the whole operation. You know, it's first class, and um, I don't know. It should be interesting to see whether Kenny adjusts quickly to that bike. That's my only question. Kenny obviously has plenty of speed. He showed that last year in the outdoors, but how quickly uh, will he adapt to that thing? He looked good at you know the Monster Cup, but that's a that's a totally different. That's almost like one of those one-off off-season races, not a real Supercross. And then they have issues, obviously, with getting parts and stuff for the bike. So it'll be interesting. You know, that's that's a real question. I I'd feel more confident about saying Kenny is a real title threat if he had stayed on the RCH Suzuki and hadn't switched things up. Um, I think the new bike is, from everybody, whatever I said, is pretty awesome. Uh, but still, he seems like he's always been a guy that wants his bike just so and very particular about it. And I, I wonder how quickly they'll be able to get it just like he likes it. You know, look how long it took Eli to adjust to the Kawasaki. It's not always easy to make that switch. Absolutely agree. Um Mike, we've seen a lot of uh, of riders switch teams in the last little while. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of new faces at different teams. Ken Roxon being the most marquee of of which. Um, as far as uh, your program going in, um, is this one more kind of feather in the cap of, for for Ryan Dungey, knowing he's on? Basically, you can roll the the, the championship bike from last year out and know uh, exactly what the settings are going to be like. You know uh, where you can place that front tire. Ken Roxon's going to be guessing from time to time throughout the year uh is that one thing that uh that may weigh heavy on his mind if the if the points are tight yeah you gotta believe that with the honda resources that that kenny is going to be you know ready to go and that bike will be set up and if he comes out you know and he's talking about setup issues uh i might just you might hear me screaming from here uh i'm just like how many months does it take to get the bike set up you know with, with that with level of resources uh, but I think the the rider that it's more interesting to see uh, if he's going to come out dialed in is uh, is Eli. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit with That's that, fine. but you know now he's got the full year under his belt on the Kawasaki to adjust. And uh, yeah, so that's the one I'm looking forward to. But yeah, with the, the Honda and their resources, 
you know, I know it's a whole new bike and a new chassis and everything, but man, he looked good at Monster Cup, didn't he? Absolutely, he did. Uh, and, and if not for uh, uh, one small get-off, I think he would have went three for three, grabbed that million, and, uh, and and forget about it, man. Like it was, uh, it was, it, it was, it was Kenny Kenny's race to lose, and unfortunately, he did lose it. But um, uh, the guy showed speed. He he's uh, he looks comfortable on the bike, and uh, from all videos and photos that I see, uh, he doesn't seem to be holding back at all. Doesn't seem to be just like going through the motions he's 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 pushing the motorcycle and um i i think honestly if you're in any position of uh if you're a picky rider to be on any team that's the one you want to be on because uh if you need something changed they can change it right oh yeah yeah i mean anything they want he'll have so it's uh there's no excuses now so and i wonder if that will bring pressure True, absolutely. Like, there's there's no excuses now. We can do it all for you, um, Tony. What do you make of that? Like, basically, a a, t- a team that can come up to you and say, "This is the best motorcycle that uh, you picked. This is what you we gave you everything you want. Uh, you have no excuse not to win races." Um, in a scenario like that, what does Kenny Ken rest on if uh, if the results don't come? Well, you know, the riders typically don't like to look at themselves in a situation like that, so it's always hard to say. None of them. Uh, my I question would be, like, <laughs> exactly. I know Honda in the past has been um, somewhat hesitant to make certain changes. Remember when, like, Reed wanted to swap his forks and for air forks or spring forks or back and forth. I'd be curious to know if, if Kenny runs into the same kind of thing like he had, not this year, but last year at RCH, where you know, they were trying to push a certain type of suspension or something and they want him to use it and, and he wants to go a totally different direction. I wonder how, because Honda's so corporate, I, I, I wonder how that will shake out. You know, it's, if everything's going great, they, there's no doubt they have the resources to build pretty much anything you could possibly could have within the rules. Um, I mean, we, don't, we can't modify anything because of the production rule, but within the rules or within the, the gray lines there, just outside the rules, Honda certainly could do it. The question is, are they willing to? Um, they certainly have got a lot of money, I'm sure, invested in Kenny. So uh, you would think they, they'd be all in to try and get him whatever he needs to be happy. So um, there should be no doubt that he's going to have a good bike. I'm sure that's the case. I think uh, it's just a question of how quickly he adapts to it. You know, like a guy like RC seemed to be able to jump on whatever it was, even if it was a hunk of crap, and just pin it and win. But I think Kenny he showed even on the KTM and stuff, and on the the, the Suzuki. Well, look last year even. You know, he, he was healthy all year and wasn't really a threat for most of the Supercross season until they stuck a set of uh, stock clamps on his bike and kind of made him a little more comfortable on it. So if he's not comfortable, he's not the kind of guy who just pins it and you know damn the consequences. So um, if they can get it right for him, I think it's going to be all aces. If, if there's a problem though, I'm not sure how quickly and easily it'll be to, to fix it. You know. We yeah, what yeah. if what if this is like RJ all over again? You know, remember when RJ went from Yamaha to Honda and it was just game over for everybody for three years? Oh, we're all uh, in trouble if that happens. It's going to be seriously. nothing like McGrath boring season. I mean, the Nationals last year was pretty boring after Dundee got hurt, so it could be what we're in for. Absolutely, yeah. I couldn't agree more. We could be uh, we could be in for a very boring year. It could be uh, uh, 1993, 2000, and uh, 2001-esque uh, with with uh, with the the 94 uh, rattling off um, 
number one rides. But uh, what about the guy who's uh, who's his neighbor in the in the paddock? Uh, Cole Seeley uh, cemented himself as that kind of steady Eddie. Put in my rides, flashes of brilliance. Um, he, he's backed by uh, some of the coolest looking gear companies, uh, like uh, in, in in the pits. Like, if you're gonna model who who you want to have your gear look after, it's uh, it's Cole Seeley. I'm not, I don't know who else that you'd you'd rather have. Um, guys always looking fresh, but, um, Mike, uh, what, what is the high watermark for, for Cole Seeley in 2000 and, uh, 2017? Of course, we always assume these, these guys say, stay healthy and there will be injuries. So by the end of the season, could we see, uh, Cole starting to sniff at some, uh, some podiums or could it be coming, could that be coming earlier in the year? Yeah, I think Cole can win. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that he's going to come out and win, you know, one of the first three rounds where, you know, the talent is at its richest point. But I think yeah. that uh, if he stays healthy and, and starts getting some confidence and uh, just builds, uh, yeah, he's he's most definitely capable of winning a race. Uh, I don't think it's something that's going to happen with any consistency. It's going to be one of those, you know, he gets the start and gets out front and, you know, whoever else has been leading gets kind of stuck in the back or, you know, one of those type of deals. But yeah, I mean, he has just incredible talent and smoothness. And yeah, I think, I think if the, the track suits him, uh, suits his style and his technical ability, I think, I think he uh, can be considered a co- contender for a win. For sure. Now, like, Tony, uh, of like of the guys uh, that kind of of those B riders that I think we speak of, the, your Marvin Moosecans of the world, your Josh Grants of the world, your uh, your Cole Seely. Um, in these first few races, I you know, I'm a, a strong proponent of uh, ignorance is bliss. Uh, that 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 pressure that seems to hit the, the get to some some guys just completely is oblivious to. Uh, so, uh, other guys, and that's why we see uh, uh, Tortelli getting uh, uh, first first Supercross wins. Um, Albertine uh, Anderson, who just kind of like seems to float through uh, through float through the races. Um, might we see a similar thing from from Cole Seely, which, if you remember back to last year, I believe started the season out with uh, a pair of pretty nice finishes. It could happen. I mean, Cole certainly got the talent to win. Um, he's another guy that just doesn't seem to strike me as a nose to the grindstone, the, the tenacity you need to be a championship threat. But for a winner, too, sure. I mean, he's shown he, he can win. I kind of agree with Mike. I think it's going to be one of those weekends where, you know, Dungey and Rockson and Eli get a bad start. He gets out front. He rides smooth. I mean, if that happens, yeah, he could easily – check out and win. I don't think it would surprise anybody if he did that again. So, uh, even though, uh, Mike jumped ahead of us a little bit, we'll catch up with him here. Go straight to the, uh, the green machines where, uh, you find a gentleman by the name of Eli Tomac. You find himself, we're talking, uh, one of the other four winners from last year. Uh, Eli Tomac is the lead rider on the, uh, the, Monster Energy Kawasaki team. Uh, he's got a full year on that bike. No, I, I don't believe he had any, uh, like, I don't know if he had any surgery done at all. I think that's what kept him out of riding. Um, uh, he had his knee cleaned up. What was that? For why he couldn't go to uh, motocross nations, which I'm sure infuri- infuriates both of you. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, I think that was more a matter. He didn't want to go. I, I think yeah, he should have gone. Yeah, I thought it was logistics. He was forced by Monster to ride the two GPs, and I think he did that out of protest. Exactly. So uh, that being said, um, full bill of health. The kid's firing on all cylinders. He's got all the time in the world to get this bike right. He knows what he didn't like about his 2016 bike. Um, Tony, um, if if to- Eli Tomac does anything other than come out in in, uh, in January and basically uh, with his hair on fire and just flying, um, it, what, what went wrong? Oof. I gotta be honest. I I have never been that blown away by Eli on a 450 in Supercross. I mean, when he was on the 250, his last year, he a couple for a couple of rounds before he cartwheeled in the whoops or whatever. He 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 had like oh my gosh, blazing speed in Supercross. But for the most part, other than this like Daytona, he hasn't really amazed me. Even on the Hondas, it wasn't like holy crap. So, um. What about an Altona when he just manualed like 10 bumps in a row? Yeah, I mean, the guy has amazing skills. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to discount that, but I'm just bugging you. it's like, has he, at any point, if he seemed like the fastest guy, like consistently, like, again, yeah, around, one, like at Daytona, yeah, he was the fastest guy easily. But that was really the only time all year he looked like that. So it, I expect him to be faster. For sure, but I, I would be honestly, I would be surprised if he came out and started smoking everybody off the bat. I think he's going to be a, he probably won two or three rounds, um, but I think it's going to come down to Dungey and Roxon personally. Yeah, I, I do see a uh, a two man battle with um, with the, with the Green Machine uh, landing uh, landing a few blows of his own, uh, but more sporadically and um, possibly um, less consistency, more. Like more DNFs or crash outs than uh, than just runaway victories, stuff like that. Yeah, and that, I, I, that's I usually what decides why a guy getting third, right? Like that's what that's what uh, creates that that gap is that you have two guys that uh, really never falter, and then you have one guy that's in there all the time, but all of a sudden one race he's out of it, and there's that fifteen twenty point gap that those two need to kind of de- uh, to, to separate themselves, and uh, I think we'll see more of that this year. Yeah, I think I, I think Eli will be better, but I, I don't know if he's gonna he's ready to take that that jump. I like I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's you know each one of them is fighting for a win every week. I think that would be great, but um, I would need to see it first. I think, like I said, I I just don't know that Eli has been that guy in Supercross yet on the 450. Fair enough. Now, uh, Mike, uh, the, lot, lots been talked about this off season about guys who uh, will not have uh, gainful employment um, this year. Uh, names like Dean Wilson will not be out there. Um, Kyle Chisholm has a ride, but he'll actually be riding two fifties uh, for 2017. And um, Wilbur Hahn has been relieved of his duties at, at Kawasaki. He's uh, since retired. And um, yeah, was, uh, I guess is there anybody else that I'm thinking of? Oh, oh Jake Weimer as well, who uh, is also former uh, Kawasaki uh, top rider. Um, any surprise to see that uh, that Josh Grant gets the nod at uh, at Cowie uh, to get that ride and. Uh, if he doesn't deserve that ride, who does? Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. Um, you know, I've heard that that Kawasaki, the fact that Kawasaki is somewhat 
uh, very relationship oriented as far as who they like on the team. And uh, apparently Josh gets along well with everybody and kind of fits in there. Uh, so, you know, I can, I can see, you know, why Kawasaki would want to move forward with him as their number two guy. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting signing in terms of, uh, you know, race potential, uh, youth, raw speed. I, I, you know, I don't think it's going out on a limb to say that, you know, Josh has passed his prime and, you know, I think if he gets into the top five, I think that's a good night for him. Um, so yeah, I'm a little surprised by that, but you know, the guys that are kind of sitting on the shelf, so to speak, without rides, you know, who would replace him that's going to consistently be better should they all stay healthy? Um, you know, maybe Jake, uh, but he hasn't shown that he's been able to stay healthy for a couple of seasons now. Uh, I'd say if any of the guys that are, you know, without rides, I would have to maybe say Mookie, uh, you know, champion, a regional champion without a ride, which is pretty incredible to me. Yeah, like not even given an opportunity to fail in the 450 class, really, if you think about it. Um, there's a lot of guys in the 250 class that immediately go get their uh, their factory ride, and some of them flounder, some of them don't. Yeah. But the bottom line is they're given their opportunity to be a full-time 450 guy. And in this case, um, Malcolm Stewart, um, I think in, in some ways it just, it's uh, he falls victim to – like in a lot of ways over his career, he's benefited from being James Stewart's brother. And in this time, I think it might've hurt him. Uh, Tony, are you of that same, uh, same mindset is that maybe uh, like in, in this very, um, this, this one particular case, it, it's actually hurt uh, Malcolm Stewart of being uh, James Stewart's brother. Yeah, I, I think it does because I think some people for better or worse don't want to deal with, all the other ancillary stuff that comes with being involved with the stewards, you know, with his dad and everything else. I, I think there's just been a lot of drama behind the scenes with James. I don't, I haven't heard the same stuff about Mookie, but I think the, the, there's a somewhat thing of a stigma that goes along with that. where you just think there's going to be, you know, a little more trouble than some other guy. But I mean, let's be honest, there's other stuff too. that are going on. I think the fact he hurt himself by not riding the outdoors at all, I mean, you're yeah. basically um, the guy only raced half of half the season, a quarter of the season. He, you know, he didn't race the whole 450 season. He raced just one coast, didn't race any of the outdoors. And then I, I'm sure um, some of that was the amount of money he wanted. But, I mean, if you're going to pay a guy top-tier money, you'd expect him to ride the whole year. Um, and Mookie's shown he's got speed outdoors. He's got a podium at Buds and stuff. And for whatever reason um, – he decided not to really put himself out there to try and get a ride. And I think it kind of bit him in the rear. I think maybe he thought he was going to stay with Geico and that hasn't worked out. And now he's kind of left holding the bag there. Um, Mookie, you know, if you think to your other point about, you know, Grant, yeah, Mookie probably has much more potential to win. He genuinely could be a threat to win on the right day. He's got that kind of speed. Um, but, would he be as consistent? You know, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I'd be curious. I'd love to see. It's kind of a bummer he's not out there. I mean, I love watching the guy ride. He's awesome. So it really stinks that he hasn't got the opportunity. Um, but I guess you know, there's only so many rides. And I think he, he would have served himself a lot better if he had gone out there and rode for Geico all summer and um, probably, you know, showed that he had the commitment to, to put that in that 
that effort. You know, he hadn't rode outdoors in like three years, I guess now. So that's another yeah. issue, you know, especially with, with budget shrinking and sponsors going away. It, it probably is harder to justify paying a guy what Mookie wants to ride, you know, not everything, you know? Oh, for sure. Like there, and there, but the, the, the sad part of it all is, is that, uh, Malcolm Stewart, if you're just talking speed alone, um, and I, as a fan, I, I feel a little bit robbed because I'm when, on a, on a super cry, like on, on the 7th of January, uh, if, if he's not on the line, you will not in the, the main event, you will not be seeing the fastest, uh, 20 supercross riders on a 450 um, in that main event because, um, or you see even of the, of the, the 20 guys that I have listed right now, I would argue that, uh, Malcolm Stewart on a 450, uh, uh, can turn faster lap times or be more consistent than to do so than, uh, guys like Weston Pike, uh, Brock Tickle, uh, even Dean Wilson uh, and Justin Brayton, and all of which have have rides, have contracts, have motorcycles, and will be on the line uh, this this January. And um, I, I I can't feel I help but feel a little bit robbed that way. Look yeah, at the upside. You have to imagine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait for the ride. What? Go ahead. The upside. We're gonna have hash. We're gonna have hashtag angry Mookie. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you got to figure somebody's yeah. going to get a call as soon as somebody gets hurt. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, and like, he gets in there, but um, like it, given that those relationships that are so so fragile and th- those who might not like uh, uh, the Stewarts or, or Malcolm himself, uh, it, it really kind of depends who that is that gets injured. Like if Josh Grant gets injured, uh, do you see um, – No way. Uh, Kawasaki's like, not touching the Kawasaki's not Stewart. And then if, if Trey Kennard gets hurt, uh, Malcolm Stewart's not going there. Um, like, it's, like, would it be, would it be only uh, JGR Suzuki with, if, say, Weston Pike is out for, uh, for a couple of rounds? Like, what, what's, what, what happens there? Hey, winning, where, winning, where, winning where, talks, where could yeah. he potentially go? Yeah. Little concepts. <laughs> Hey, yeah. The, if, uh, if for some reason the 800 can't roll himself out there, uh, or or Brayton uh, uh, can't 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 go, maybe uh, the uh, maybe it's maybe it's the 47. But uh, bef- uh, let's let's knock off a couple more OEMs before uh, uh, it's way past both of your bedtimes. Um, Suzuki comes to the uh, comes to the plate with Justin Barsha and uh, and Justin Bogle. A pair of Justins are going to be their two marquee guys. One on RCH, one on JGR. Which is the best Justin? Tony. Cool. Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I still think you have to go with Barsha's main say Barsha. Um, I don't expect him to go out and win or anything on it. I'm kind of a little bit worried that those days might be passed for Barsha at this point, but um, I, I still got to say you got to say, say he's a notch above Bogle. Um, Bogle certainly has potential, but um, I don't think he's up to you know, being a threat for a win, which Justin on the right day certainly could be. Leg leg swag for days. Uh, Mike, what's what's your take on those two? Justin Bogle uh, has uh, style. He has he's he he doesn't really get too aggressive out there on the track. Justin Barsha is the exact opposite of that. What's your take? Yeah, I, Bogle reminds me a little bit of Sealy, uh, just in yeah. the in the non non confrontational, super smooth. Soft. Uh, 
kind of yeah, soft. Yeah, maybe a little. I don't know. The, those Oklahoma boys, I wouldn't call any of those Oklahoma guys soft. Um, maybe not too I, I just think that exactly um you know i i think that he just kind of gets along well with everybody it's just well liked and nobody dirties him so he doesn't dirty anybody um you know Except something along that mookie line he got at it rookie year yeah and who did mookie get after it with in europe this winter or this fall oh, um, i know there's some sort of was it oh okay so that'll yeah, be they, they to be continued i'm sure yeah um, yeah Moving on to, but yeah, getting uh, back to the question, I would yeah. I would say, I think I'm actually going to disagree with Tony. Um, yes. Until Barsha proves otherwise, I think Bogle's faster. Mm. How dare you? He, he he has shown better in the starts. <laughs> if you guys remember last year, uh, it was almost a uh, um, death taxes and Justin Bogle getting hole shots in heat races. Um, oh that yeah, does that, no that, footed that, hole that shots? Well. Like... And honestly, if I was to think of either one to be yeah. in better shape. I would honestly give the nod to uh, to Justin Bogle because he's down there with uh, Robbie Raynard. You know he's putting in the work with uh, with Austin Forkner and uh, and that whole crew. Uh, he'll be in shape, and these longer motos might fall into the uh, into the the hands of a, of a guy who's going to get a great start like Justin Bogle, uh, which uh, is kind of a, uh, kind of one extra thing he's got in his arsenal to uh, to draw from. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Do you guys think Barsha is overtraining or undertraining? Um, good question. Uh, maybe Tony can take this question. one. I, like Man, Tony, I you know. take what? that one. I, I don't fucking know. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, that that is a good question because I I think Justin's problem is is in his mind more than his body. You know, it, it seems like um, he gets himself mentally in a twist, and he just. Whether I think if he pumps up, it's because he's holding on too tight because of his mind, yeah. not his body. I, I think he's in plenty of shape. I mean, he puts in tons of miles on the bike and stuff. I don't, I don't think the guy's not in shape. I just think he seems to be a bit of a, a mental basket case. You know, if things aren't just so, if somebody starts messing with him or whatever, he just loses his mind and uh, he unrivals. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Sort people just have a hard time with that. And you get the stuff too that DV is always talking about too, with them over revving, and you know maybe he's just not a 450 rider, and maybe he should, you know, maybe he should be uh, like his teammate, drop down to the 250 too. And uh, I don't actually, I don't know if he can technically, but no, I think that would you know? be a tough. You can if you're in the for, top 20. Yeah, he's unfortunately yeah. been a top 20 guy and uh, and won outdoor nationals as recently as last, uh, not this last summer, the summer before. So uh, tough, tough for yeah, the uh, yeah. the AMA or uh, failed to allow that to happen. But uh, um, crazier things have happened. I think just Justin Bogle. I think you're right. He's like if we were back on uh, if we were back on two strokes, like Justin Barsha would have been the kind of guy that. Uh, like Steve Lampson, every time the outdoors came came to call, he'd be back down there in the in the, in the little, little class, causing havoc and uh, and stealing uh, national wins from the kids. Yeah, he would have been awesome in the one twenty five days, you know. 
he already, well, if, if you probably remember when he was turning pro, he, he did uh, lots of two-stroke edits uh, and making that thing scream. But uh, let's yep. move on to the Yamaha team. And uh, this is kind of interesting because you've got uh, the double two who uh, is looking for an extension. And uh, and he's by far the oldest guy in the in the field, and um, I can't I won't say that Je- that uh, Chad Reed can't win because I would eat my words when he does. Um, but uh, Cooper Webb has taken uh, the number two, formerly of uh, Jeremy McGrath as well as Ryan Villapoto, and he'll be uh, taking that number two and stationing it as, as that number one spot at. Uh, at the, the the factory Yamaha rig, and honestly, I can't I can't think think of anything but uh, but good good things for a rookie season. Uh, lots of podiums, possibly a win or two, and um, uh, some serious turning of heads. Not very much unlike the uh, from a uh, two thousand and nine from one uh, Ryan Villapoto. Tony. When I think of Cooper next year, yeah. When I think of Cooper next year, I, I see him. This season going a lot like Jason Anderson uh, the year before. Like, he yeah. might win. I think he's going to have the speed up front. I think he's going to get in some shoving matches with people and probably uh, end up <laughs> having to get up because of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I just, he, he's so emotionally, so fired up. He's, you know, he reminds me a lot of Bradshaw. And I, I just think that much like Jason seems to get bogged down in some of these battles that he'd be better off just, you know, keeping clear of i think that's part of cooper's game and at least initially in his career it's, it's probably gonna backfire on him at some point so i yeah i think he's got the speed to win i would see him winning around maybe a year or two um certainly being a po- podium threat um but I, I in the end i think he'll be too inconsistent to be much of a threat for the title um as for reed man i'd love to see chad win another race but you got to think at some point those days are over. Um, I figure you'll probably have another year like last year where he'll have a couple of rounds where he, you know, maybe gets up front, gets a whole shot, maybe a threat for the podium. Um, I can't really see him winning again, but I've been wrong before. I'd love to see him. I'm a huge Chad Reed fan. He's always been my guy, but I mean, he catches up with all of us eventually, you know, father time waits for nobody. That's a hundred percent truth. Um, Cooper Webb, I honestly, I, I feel like uh, you're totally right. He's going to have that those flashes of brilliance. He may squeak out a win somewhere. I think he's going to be strong. I think he's going to be fit. But uh, I, I also think that it's going to be very difficult for him to uh, to not uh, want to play a little head games or some helmet smack with uh, with a guy like Justin Barsha. And uh, when you go up to the big boy class and uh, and and you want to tussle with the big guys, they like to tussle right back, and uh, that might spell. Uh, um, rookie mistakes and, and some DNFs for uh, the number two machine. Uh, let's round out the 450 class before we throw it, uh, throw it to commercial uh, with um, a prediction with what Dean Wilson can do from Tony and uh, <clears throat> and from, from Mike. Get, uh, break down the Husqvarna's for me. So uh, bef- uh, first, uh, first, Tony, give me your thoughts on Diener. Well, you're thinking that you mean Jason Anderson, right? Not Diener, because I don't Dean. Dean doesn't ride, correct? Dean will be riding uh, under the Star Racing rig on a factory-biked Yamaha with suspension. Right, right. He, but he's not. He's not on the Husqvarna team. He's talking about Jason Anderson. So yes. Um, but I like. I was rounding yeah. out the Yamahas. 
Oh, gotcha, guys. Well, sorry, I misunderstood you. Dean, um, I would love to see Dean just keep it on two wheels and finish the season, to be honest. <laughs> Not hurt his knee again. Yeah. Put together yeah. a foundation to get his career back on track. I mean, he's already shown he's got plenty of speed. He's a national, you know, national champion in outdoors. Um, he's shown a lot of speed from time to time indoors. Uh, I see him as a guy who can win heat races, um, a guy who certainly could run at the front. Uh, he's got to show that he's got the whole arm pump thing sorted out and has the endurance to to keep that pace going for 20 laps. But, I mean, realistically, he should just be looking to try and finish the season in one piece. Uh, I think that's the best thing he can do for Yamaha's Keep that, keep the blue bike out there, and uh, try and rebuild his the the base for his health and his career. You know, it's tough when you're taking these long layoffs. You know, it takes it takes a long time. I've had mine. I've had like three knee surgeries, and it it takes a year and a half or whatever before your knee even starts to feel normal again. And and it, it's always hard to trust it too. It's in your mind, and I can't imagine how much is in his mind to have it happen back to back. That would be brutal. Um, so I'd love to see him be successful, but. I think his main thing is just to keep turning thing on two wheels. Totally agree. I think all all just want to see uh, good things for Dean Wilson, uh, regardless of what color. Uh, just consistent finishes and just finishes. And uh, with that, uh, the final OEM, the sixth OEM. Um, Jason Anderson, Christoph Purcell, uh, Mike, give me your thoughts. They're like a, a motocross version of an expansion team, right? Pretty much, like that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> it. Like uh, we'll we'll take the second string goaltender from the Atlanta Flames, <laughs> and uh, and maybe uh, a, like a second line centerman from the California Seals, and uh, let's make it let's make a more good to go. Yeah, no, seriously though, is there a full factory OEM team coming into the season more under the radar than uh, Rockstar Husky and Jason Anderson and Christoph Purcell? Um, haven't heard a peep about them all off no. season. Uh, haven't no, no seen one's... much on social media from Jason. Um, I don't know. Maybe he blocked me along with Mathis just by association. <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> that's it. Like honestly, yeah, so it. landed on the only things I yeah, see from no, Jason Anderson are um, like that tweets about him going to uh, Chipotle. And I assume yep. that he's working those off with uh, the Alden Baker program. Christoph Purcell hates social media more than he hates Mathis. So, um, and like, yeah. uh, and also, yep. we we all three of us uh, subscribe to getting uh, a fair bit of uh, uh, info from Steve Mathis, and neither one of these riders are a big fan of him. So, not too surprising there. Yeah, no, it's crazy, and. Uh... Did I tell you guys that I'm blocked by Stu? I have no idea what. what? Yeah, seriously. On, Stu on, on what? On all things or just Instagram? Just Instagram. Yeah, no, it's. You said I can Stu? Or Jason, uh, I mean, James Stewart blocked you? Stu. Yeah, I have no idea why. <laughs> Maybe he wow. hates old photographers or something. Um, Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, ever since, ever since he's, uh, Colorado. He's mistaken you for somebody else. Ever I'm since sure Colorado, he, yeah, he just hates photographers. You might want to check that as yeah. if all photographers are blocked. Yeah, he's blocking all of us. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's um, you know, yeah, he, he is what he is. 
but yeah, you're, you're really not missing much. The last three pose, uh, posts are uh, baby photos, uh, a ride day, um, golfing, the new 7 gear, which I really don't like compression gear on dirt bikers. I think it looks weird. Nope. Um, looks terrible. It really does, because, like, none of the motocross, like, compression gear looks good on, like, Cam Newton, because he's jacked. There's not a single motocross racer, other than maybe Ricky in his prime, that ever looked like a little muscle nugget. So, everyone just looks scrawny in it, and I don't really think that it, uh, that compression wear is really going to help you that much for uh, an event that lasts a half hour. Um, but I digress. Um, also, that whole you're not really... thing is so bizarre, though. The fact that oh, totally. you ha- we haven't even heard. Like, if you're not going to do it, come out and say you're retiring. The fact that there's like radio, it's so typical motocross that like probably the single biggest star in the sport, and nobody knows what the hell's going on. You know, it's like yeah. if yeah. you know if Tom Brady just went on, you know, silent for eight months. Is he playing next year? I mean, you, you know they'd be on the NFL Network every day talking about it. They'd be driving crazy trying to find out what's going on. And it's like in our sport, he's just like he disappeared. Nobody knows. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yep. From what I've seen on the videos, though, he doesn't look like he's ripped stew at all. He no. still looks kind of like he's out of shape stew in the videos that I've seen. Yeah. He's doughy so, stew. And, uh, I'm guessing he's done. I'm I guessing he's, he's done. done. And the, you know what? For like for everyone on I this call, is. that's Good okay. Man. Like I think that's totally okay. I'm I I, I loved yeah. Stu. I, I I got I was lucky enough that I watched so many of his races. I watched him uh, absolutely shellac everyone on a 125 when everyone else was on 250Fs. I watched him ride one of the most the most beautifully sounding 252 strokes for the entire 2005 se- season. Uh, I watched a perfect season. Um, I watched him feed some of my le- least favorite riders their lunch uh, on a 450. And um, I-, I watched him give uh, the greatest of all time fits for two years. Um, uh, like he's he's given he's given He's given me and the motocross industry a shit ton of uh, great highlights uh, and uh, a ton of great entertainment. Um, it's it's like any great superstar. Eventually, they have to go off into the sunset. This is a pretty weird way to do so, but um, uh, the, we, we thought, oh, what would Supercross be like with Ryan, without uh, Ryan Villapoto? And uh, it's been two years now. And uh, um, as much as I liked watching RV, the the sport, the, the gate still drops. And uh, moving on, onward. Yeah. Yeah, we all we all move on. Um, we can't can't look backwards, but uh, we're gonna look forward towards the 250 class right after these messages from Bills Pipes and W. We'll be right back here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Button, former factory Supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're gonna take it to a commercial. We'll be right back. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live-what-you-love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffe, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. 
NavigateJustifiedCultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at JustifiedCultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. This is a test of your RacersIndex.com awareness. This was a test to see if you're ready to be found at RacersIndex.com. Supercross at Arena Cross are coming up. Now is the time to secure your position on a team. Mechanics, models, riders, flaggers, team owners, production specialists, anything related to racing. Be found at RacersIndex.com. Click it for your ticket to be found and become part of the racing industry. RacersIndex.com, your ultimate race production resource. Visit RacersIndex.com now. When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, Turn some heads and be able to change your bike's look on the fly? Head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have spokeskins on their website. They've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. Racersindex.com is your ultimate race production resource. From the starting line of production to the finish line of winning, Racersindex.com is your go-to resource to be a part of or produce a checkered flag winning event. The professional's place to find work and workers, rides and riders, and more. If you need it to make your race event happen, it's happening at Racersindex.com. If you want to be a part of the racing world, join the Racersindex.com team today. If you need people on your team, you can find them at Racersindex.com. Log on now and find what you need, who you need, and anything needed for two-wheel or four-wheel racing. Log on if you're a mechanic, model, rider, flagger, caterer, sound engineer, team owner, production specialist, or anything related to racing. Find all people, places, and things racing all at racersindex.com. From dirt to the track, from desert to the drag strip, racersindex.com is your ultimate race resource. Click it for your ticket to all things racing. Racersindex.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. 
in motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, or concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is arena cross. Tomorrow is Glen Helen. And Saturday, we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic. And even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny K. Spear himself on how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate, basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate, and then uh, pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny K. Spear and Motul MX. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys who are building wheels for Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today and never settle. Hey, this is Adam with Vexy MX, and you're listening to the Big MX Podcast Radio Show. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if, why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show.
Hey guys, this is Cade Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed too. And we're back, Big MX Radio Podcast Show, and uh, this is going to be a very small look at the 250 class, because we don't know exactly who's going to be on what coast. Everyone likes to keep that extra secret for no reason, uh, really, really. Other than uh, um, competitive advantage, I suppose. But uh, I've I've made a list of those who are kind of uh, contenders, or so so to speak. Uh, your your highlighted riders from each OEM um, in the two in the two fifty class, and uh, I, I sent the, that sent that list to uh, the two of you, and I put W's beside guys who I think can win races. Um, does anybody on this phone call disagree that uh, your guys that can get wins in the 250 class include Al, uh, Jeremy Martin, Christian Craig, Austin Forkner, Adam Cianciarolo, Joey Savacci. Uh, why did I put one next to Harrison? He can't win. Um, <laughs> plus, plus, inter- I was wondering plus inter- why you put one next to Jeremy Martin. I think he he won yeah. one last year. I think he like if you go, he's definitely going east, and that like they don't call it one easy for nothing. Um, so uh, I think I think I think he could get one on on the east coast. Uh, Dan, is he going Reardon, east? I thought he was riding west. No, I, I was almost Isn't Jeremy riding west. Sure he was go- maybe, and if he sure. is, I thought him and Dakotas were riding west. Maybe I'm wrong. That could be, although like, he's before, definitely not winning if he's riding west. Though there's no, no way. I don't think so. I think you're right, uh, Mike. And uh, before we get too far into the 250s, is there a hotter looking bike than the Geico bikes uh, this year, especially that number six? Yeah, it's it's a great looking motorcycle. Oh, they're they're it pretty looks sharp so much looking. better too. Because I, I don't even really like the looks of the new Hondas, particularly. You know, stock and putting all that red on there really, really brings it together. It looks so much better. Yep. Yeah, like, I, I'm looking forward tough. to our retro day. Yes. Which which race is that? It's usually a two or a three. I think a three. Although, wait, is there an a three this year? Isn't there like two San Diegos and two A's? I think there's two A's, two San Diegos again. It's gonna. It goes. Yeah. Uh, Anaheim. I want to say Anaheim, Phoenix, San Diego, Anaheim, then Oakland. Oh, they don't shoot up to Seattle. I don't think so. I, I didn't Seattle get uh, get axed or, or no? Maybe Boston got axed. Boston got axed. Seattle's back on. Yeah, hang on. I'm no, gonna pull up. No, nobody nobody likes Boston. Schedule now. Great, great radio. Don't. I'm going to the Google <laughs> machine to pull up the. Uh, Pull up the schedule. <laughs> great radio, that. bro. You, 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 yeah, great that radio, was a exactly. good DV. I didn't mean to. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't usually do the the French accent that well. But I tell you what, um, I'm interested to see in the 250 class this year is if uh, AC is back to the form he had before he hurt his shoulder. If he's a threat again, or if it's more the same that we've seen outdoors the last couple of years, where he's just been, you know, fast, but not the same guy. I mean, he he has just not been that guy that everybody thought he was going to be that uh, came out his rookie year and was really probably going to win that title before he got hurt. Yeah, Um, totally. I I so hope that kid can put it together. I I would love to see him come out and win. That would be awesome. I I feel bad. Go ahead. 
I was going to say the, the promoters have done their usual great job of making truck drivers bounce all across the country. Uh, they're not too bad for the first few rounds. Uh, Anaheim, San Diego, Anaheim, uh, then yep. off to Glendale, uh, then from Glendale up to Oakland, then from Oakland, logically, no, can't go to Seattle from there because that would be smart. They go down to Arlington, and yeah, then they go up that's... to Minneapolis, then yeah. they go down to Atlanta, then they go up to Toronto, <laughs> then they go back down to Daytona, <laughs> and then they go wow, Indianapolis, Toronto, Detroit, St. Louis, the Midwest swing, uh, and then finish. Uh, and then this is where it really gets crazy for the poor truck drivers. They go Seattle, Salt Lake City, which isn't too bad, but then they go East Rutherford and then Vegas. Right on. That's, uh, that's, that's putting on brutal. some miles. That's a brutal that's, run. Yeah, and um, good on them for getting rid of uh, that uh, that pesky Boston round because nobody wanted to see that again. Yeah, I can't have <laughs> Supercross 15 minutes from my house. No, Can no I? That, that would be that would be too good. Uh, fortunately, I will be at all five of the first five rounds uh, of Supercross this year because uh, as of January one, I'm driving down there, guys. I'm I'm spending the whole month uh, and including the first week of Je- uh, February down there. Awesome, good for you, man. Yeah, man, taking a bit of a bit of a leap of faith, taking Big MX Radio on the road. Um, but uh, who else can take a win here? Uh, obviously, we, we talked about Adam Cincerolo, and the last time we heard from him uh, in a in a post race interview was basically like, a, honestly, like kind of a defeated sounding guy. That like, hey, he's like, hey, maybe I won't be that guy. And in a mental sport like motocross, that's really not what I want to hear from a guy that I like to cheer for. Tony, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's tough. It was tough to hear that, you know. Yeah, like, it just seems like he's like, oh, that that. That, that's almost like that's curtains for a guy like he's he's like he he could have been he should have been the the next uh the next great guy to to take home championships and, and and be a total force in the sport and um turns out that like he, he he's kind of in his own mind slotted himself to be a uh jake weimer um brought tickle and there's nothing wrong with either one of those riders uh, but the reality is, is that neither one of them is probably you can't pencil either one of those guys in for a for a championship anytime soon. So, um, yeah. The advantage I think he has he has shown speed indoors where he has not shown that speed outdoors yet. So he can mentally say, okay, it's a reset. I'm going to take this <laughs> off season, get ready. When I last raced Supercross. I was winning Supercross. You know what I mean? He hasn't had that two years of getting his ass kicked indoors. So maybe he comes in with a little more confidence. And then if he gets a couple of wins under his belt, maybe that builds back up. You know, motocross, like any sport, is so mental. So if you don't believe you can win, you're not going to. Um, you got to hope that he can get things turned around and, and really turn his whole career around, you know? Totally, totally. Um Rounding out that uh, that Kawasaki team, that this this seemingly powerhouse team of all three guys, like three out of four of the guys that I, I listed, uh, can possibly get uh, number ones is uh, is Justin Hill. Do either one of you guys expect anything from uh, from the forty six? I think he'll be good. Yeah, I think he'll be good. He's got a ton of talent. He's another one. He just needs a couple of good breaks to go his way and get some confidence going. Um, and Justin has a lot of raw talent and. Uh, yeah, I think he can get going. But, man, i got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to seeing Forkner uh, in Supercross. Uh, 
going to be good. Same here. I, I I don't know who I'm more excited for, the 17 of Savachi or uh, is it the 24 of uh, of Forkner? I think I, that that's a that's a nice looking number on the on the kid. Uh, just drop the drop the one from uh, from his rookie number out of the middle, and uh, the 24 and the 16 will be uh, wreaking havoc. Uh, the two top numbers yep. on uh, on a powerhouse team that uh, you got to know uh, that. Um, that Mitch Payton wants to get some get some W's here because uh, he's been shut out for the last little while. Yeah, yeah, and don't forget too, Chase Sexton's coming in way under the radar, and that kid has a ton of speed too. So, on a Cali? No, not on a Cali. Uh, <laughs> I think he's got Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, sorry, uh... I jumped ahead again. Yeah, no, well, that's not really jumping ahead. That's just one of those guys that like, I kind of, uh, on a Honda on 250Fs, um, kind of, I'm a wait-and-see kind of guy with Chase. He, he's obviously put put in some good rides with the uh, the Ultimate Amateur uh, race at, at the Monster Cup. Uh, he, he's, he's obviously, like, if you follow him, amateur racing at all, he's been a force. Um, but it's a wait-and-see. Like, can, can he do the, uh, like, can he be as, as consistent as he needs to be to be a podium guy or a top-five guy every weekend, or or will it be more of the same as we've seen with uh, Hampshire and Jordan Smith in the past couple of years, where we see uh, flashes of brilliance, top three laps, but not top three finishes? Um, and uh, Jimmy Dakotas is Jimmy Dakotas. I, I honestly, for me, I think J- a guy who giving Jimmy a ride in a lot of ways is um, like them just saying like. You know what? This kid always gets good finishes, and always someone always complains about like how doesn't he have a ride? Well, we're gonna give him one, and if he has some amazing rides, we'll look we'll look like geniuses for giving him a ride. And if he doesn't, oh well, it's it's West Coast, and and we gave the kid an opportunity that he wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does on the West Coast too. He's ridden the East Coast uh, in the previous few seasons, and I know a couple of years ago he was out front at the Meadowlands. Uh, he almost won his heat, or he did win his heat. I can't remember which. And then he was running real strong in the main, too. Um, and I think he got he either crashed himself or somebody ran into him and took him out. I can't remember which. I think he got taken out by somebody. But, yeah, I mean, Jimmy's shown that he can run, you know, at that at, at a winning speed for that class. So uh, it'll be good. And I know he had a ton of gate drops over the, you know, over the fall uh, down under. So uh, hopefully he comes in with his confidence up and, uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to be in good shape. So it'll be good to see him uh, get out and get some good finishes. Nice kid. And it's great to see, uh, you know, somebody from the Northeast, from Massachusetts who are doing so well. Now, uh, Tony, uh, I know you're a huge fan of the, uh, um, uh, the the European guys, and before uh, before you you, you uh, we, we get to those guys, what did you have to say about Dakotas before I, I cut you off rudely? Oh no, no, I was going to say that the, I'm glad to see the guy that's standing behind Jimmy because yeah, he's uh, he's had a few opportunities, but he hasn't really ever broken through, and it'd be nice to see him have a good solid year on the bikes and yeah. maybe actually get an opportunity to ride outdoors too, not just be like a little you know part time gig for him. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Now, um, the uh, the Star Racing Yamaha team basically got blown right up at the end of last year, uh, mid season, or even at least early in the year for uh, the outdoors. We we saw sometimes we had four Star Racing Yamahas at the front of the of the two hundred and fifty class, which is incredible to see all four guys one, two, three, four uh, in a, in a moto. Um, but now Aaron Plusner is kind of the uh, the elder statesman of the of the, of the group. He's been around. 
round. Uh, he kind of challenged for the championship last year, t- came damn close, didn't end up taking the, uh, the title. But he is your kind of like that leading force go- or going into Supercross, which uh, I don't know if that's his, his absolute... Uh, his bread and butter, but uh, he leads a pack uh, that includes uh, a couple of uh, um, crafty, well, ones from across the pond uh, in like, Australia, and the other ones from Ferrandis is what? French? Yeah, yeah. I think he's French. French, French. Um, Dylan Ferrandis and Dan Reardon. Uh, one is, I think Dan Reardon's 46 years old, and... and uh, <laughs> Dean the Ferrer. weird one blows my mind. Didn't he come yeah. over here on a Geico Honda like seven or eight years ago? In order oh, yeah. To do this? That, that, 2006. That was amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a Ben Townley all over. Like a 10-year ten, a ten yeah, really hiatus. It's the same thing with Townley, yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah, like seriously, like a ten-year hiatus of uh, of factory-supported 250F rides for Dan Reardon. He's running the same number he ran back then, the 122 uh, in your program, wow. number one in your hearts. The question is, can the Australian uh, 450 champion uh, steal a win on whatever coast that he rides on? That is a no. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> see him doing any better than he did last time. I mean, gosh darn. Maybe I'm... You know, I'm just blown away by the fact that he has a ride, you know, in America at all for the Supercross Series again. But, I mean, I know he's shown some speed in, like, some Australian races and stuff like that, which is, I assume, why they're they're giving on him a Yamaha. ride. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty Yamaha amazing. 450. I mean, yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. As for Plessinger, I was I was had really high expectations for him last year. I thought he was going to be a, a threat for the title and win some races and stuff. And I was really disappointed with his – Really, his whole outdoor and indoor season was kind of mediocre, and meh. You know, he had every now and again he showed some flashes of speed, but in general, it was kind of not great. So, I'm I'm hoping he's a little bit, you know, more up towards the front this year and and actually contending for wins. And I'm sure the Yamaha team is too after they essentially you know imploded last year and got rid of their two top guys. So, um, it could be it could be interesting to see what happens. It is cool that. Um, they give some new guys an opportunity, I guess, but uh, I, I don't expect to see them up front as much as they were last year. Fair enough. Now, is he riding um, East? Plessinger? Who, I think he's riding. Uh, Race Direct has him riding West. So it says Plessinger oh, and really? Reardon riding West. But, but who knows? Oh, that's that's up to they changed their change their mind a week before it happens so who knows they're gonna be yeah. they're gonna be super stacked the the bottom line is that those two will be at the front of the pack dean ferris um will stop cutting that fish mike um mike i'm waiting for you to make that glass of coca-cola that you've like i don't know how many ice cubes you got in there but it's a lot it's not coke what is it <laughs> Is it Fresca? <laughs> no, it's, it's it's way too late for uh, Jack Daniels and Coke. I'm uh, just going to pour myself <laughs> a little bit of rum. Fair enough. Just, just pouring rum. Oh, You're like, if, I, if, if I'm going to be on the phone with the, these assholes for uh, nearly two hours, I'm having rum. Uh, I'm going to uh, drink. That's, that, <laughs> I don't blame you, bro. So uh, it is. It is eleven o'clock your time, and I apologize for keeping you guys so long. Um, KTM quickly. Uh, Alex Martin, which is your 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 factory edition bike. Go figure. Uh, Mitchell Oldenburg, Jordan Smith, 
Shane McElrath and uh, Benny Bloss. Tony, um, what what's what's the high water mark for any of these guys? Like uh, obviously, the teams kind of led the way with with Alex Martin, but in in many ways, like I kind of kind of predict that he's he'll have some similar results as last year. That he's not really a Supercross spe- specialista. Yeah, I'm hoping for a little better results. Alex, that surprised me actually last year that he had such troubles in Supercross because. He has shown that he can ride it. You know, I, I think he's definitely a, a top three. I expect to see him about about where like a Zach Osborne has been, where he maybe win a heat race or two, and uh, you know, be relatively upfront. I don't, I don't expect to see him win the title or anything. I guess it'll be a question as to how quickly he feels comfortable on the new KTM. It's a very different motorcycle than the Yamaha. They, the power characteristics are completely different between the two, and they handle differently. So. It may take a little bit of adjustment, but it is a good bike. Um, so I expect to see, you know, Alex up front, at least in the top three. As for the other guys, eh, I, don't, I don't have as much confidence. Probably a top five is probably the high water mark, in my opinion, for the, uh, any other guys on the team. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a down year for uh, for the, the TLD KTM team, but uh, something that they can build on. And interested to see what the uh, 7'3 Benny Bloss can do on a 250F. I believe he's going, uh, he'll be on the on the East Coast, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see where, where where the coasts line up. Um, typically he should be able to manual every whoop section on the track, so he's got that going for him. That's true. Why is he riding um, 250s? Uh, because he can. Yeah, I guess because, you know, KTM was willing to pay him to do it, so I guess that's what he's going to do. <laughs> I think, honestly, uh, you know, uh, for the BTO thing, like, it's cheaper for them to put him in the 250 class and have him race eight races a year and then have him on a 450 in Supercross than have him in 17 races in Supercross and then full full on, on outdoors. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. You know what I mean? Like he probably I think he'll be okay like, on the track. The question is, how is he? How bad is he going to get killed on the starts? You know, because you got to figure he probably weighs fifteen, twenty pounds more than most of the guys out there. Just add his like, boots weigh fifteen or twenty pounds more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. The guy's um, got some like size thirteen feet. You see? That's crazy. Um, Zach Osborne uh, and Martino Davalos, uh, both of which are uh, turning 50 this year um, and still in the 250F class. Um, I love these two guys. I hope to have uh, Martin on the show in, uh, in the near future. We've had Zach on a number of times. Always a great interview. Um, Tony, is this the year that uh, Zach Osborne takes a step forward, or is this, uh, or is this kind of a make-or-break year as far as uh, good rides in the 250 class go for Zach? Oof, I love Zach. I think he's an awesome dude. But um, I, I think he could actually take that next step to get a win this year for sure. He's had the speed the last couple of years. It just seems like things don't come together for him. He you know, ends up in a collision with um, Tyler Bowers or something nonsense happens and his bike blows up or something. So he certainly has the speed. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won. Um, I don't think he's on the downside of his career at this point. I think he's still got another couple of years where he – um, should still be a competitive guy. I, I don't know that he's – I would be surprised if he took that step and he came out and he did like a Cooper Webb last year and just started cranking off the wins. But I think he's still a contender for a win and a top three guy for sure. 
There you go. And Martin Navalos, um, unless unless he for some reason can't go to Canada, uh, honestly, I still pencil him in as a as a um, potential race winner in the in the East class. If he's in the East, he's gonna have speed, and uh, we can work with it. And like, oh, he I believe he's healthy. Like, or um, did I hear that he he hurt himself over the over the outdoors? Either way, like the kid raced a, a ton last year, had to miss one race because of a, a immigration problem, but at the time was looking good to to take that championship. Um, like, could, like could this be the year that Martin Davalos does something, or is it uh, rinse, lather, repeat as far as uh, his performances go, uh, Mike? I predict that he will be leading a race and throw it away in a spectacular fashion. It's a bold <laughs> statement, my friend. <laughs> A bold statement. I'm thinking that I'm thinking that he will be the guy who finally pushes Feld to get nets. Boom! Thus, making <laughs> Steve <laughs> Mathis funny. finally a fan of Martin <laughs> Davalos. Oh, wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> it will come full circle. The guy that makes his dream come true. Oh my God! It will come full circle. <laughs> right on, guys. That's uh, basically uh, all the the uh, the 250 class. Oh wait, there's Suzuki's on the line uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, 250F Suzuki's will be uh, factory backed on the JGR uh, Suzuki team. Um, Phil Nicoletti, and or, yeah, Phil Nicoletti and. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Matt Bashalia yeah, right. uh, will run the yeah. two different coasts. Um, which one of you would like? Of these two guys, which which one has the the more the more potential out of the two? Because um, obviously, last year we saw Bashali on the podium in Toronto in a crazy race. We saw everyone crash ten times, and uh, Filthy Phil. We haven't seen him on a 250F uh, since uh, 1993. So uh, it's it's been a while. Yeah, it's such a shot in the dark. How could you say? I mean, Phil actually Phil's has a couple of decent. Finishes, you know, in the 450 class in Supercross, uh, he's won heat races or been up front. No, that's not one. He's, I guess, he's been transferred. He might have won one at some point, but he's not like a total slouch in it or anything. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, if he got a podium or something on, on the bike. Hopefully, the bikes are going to be good for him. So um, I kind of know how he can get one more of another. It's such an unknown quantity; it's hard to say. Absolute. No, it's it's uh, it's total shot in the dark. But uh, we have to talk about the Suzuki so that we can round out all those uh, those OAMs, uh, <laughs> gentlemen. Uh, let's let's get a top three prediction for the uh, for the Supercross, both four fifties and two fifties. I'll start with uh, start with Mike. Four fifties, top three. We're talking just for Anaheim or for the season? For the whole season, baby. I'm going to go the German, Mr. Roxon, followed by Denji, and then Tomac. I know, not exactly going out on a limb anywhere, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, how do we say for 250 where we don't know where anybody's going? <laughs> you don't. I'm not doing predictions for 250s. It's, it's, too, it's okay, too hard. Thank you. We can yeah, we can possibly we'll do a uh, we'll do a two fifty West Mellon prediction. Class. Rick Mellon, two fifty uh, West. We'll do a pr- prediction show after Anaheim one, so we know who's in the class. How about that? Yeah, no, I, you know, for for two fifty West, it's pretty easy to predict it. 
you know, Christian Craig's going to win some races, um, you know, whichever of, uh, the pro circuit kids lines up on the West coast is going to win some races, I think. Uh, and I think that's pretty much going to be it for that class. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, I'm wondering, what do you guys think? Is that, is the 250 class going to provide better racing again this year than the four fifties or what do you think? Uh, I think actually the, the contrary, this might be a year where, uh, the 450 class, uh, provides some, some, Maybe some, some closer so. racing than so. last year. Uh, four yeah. f- the 250 class, obviously, you always get some good battles and stuff like that. But uh, I think, um, finally, a healthy Ken Roxon, a healthy uh, Ryan Dungey, and a healthy Eli Tomac uh, with uh, with the sprinkling of, uh, of Webb and, and Anderson in the mix could could make out oh, two, some... 2-2. Yeah, and, and the 2-2 in there. Um, it could be makes for some 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 dicey top fives. That all that being said, we could see Anaheim one where uh, either Ryan Dungey or Ken Roxon leads nineteen out of uh, out of twenty minutes of the race, and uh, and it's and it's done like that. But um, Tony, give me your top three. Ah oh, man, I was thinking, actually earlier. I had I was sure I was going to go with my boy Ryan Dungey, but the more we've talked about about this. The more I fear that it might be Kenny's year, um, I think uh, my, my heart wants to go with Dunge, but I got I to gotta go with Mike. I think Kenny, Kenny probably this is probably his season to come out and, and kick some major. Yeah, that's I, I hope too. no matter what happens, it's going to be a good title fight. I hope to God it's not Kenny coming out and like you said earlier, just pulling on RJ and saying sayonara. Um, Adios. I hope it comes down to the yeah, it comes down to the, the wire. Um, between Kenny and Eli and Ryan, but if I, my head says it's probably Kenny, then Ryan, and then Eli, and then if I had to pick somebody fourth, I actually I might put Cooper Webb in fourth. I think he's going to be a threat. So, ooh, that's interesting. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, I like how you threw your uh, your your fourth base finisher in there. Uh, kind of adds adds a little bit to it. Um. My my picks. I'm gonna say Ken Roxon wraps this championship up one race early, followed by oh. Ryan Dungey in the uh, in the number two spot. Um, I'm gonna predict no less than eight wins for uh, for Ken Roxon this this season. Ooh, that's and, uh, and on, in your third spot, I'm gonna put uh, Cooper Webb, followed by Eli Tomac. That is nice. very strong. Cooper to beat Eli. That's good. I like that. I like that. You might be yeah. right. I'm a big Cooper Webb fan, so I hope that's true. Although yeah, I, I, I think, like Eli too, but Cooper's I think, awesome. I think Eli Tomac and um, and Cooper Webb could combine for as many as four wins. But I would, I would, I would put more money on Cooper Webb grabbing three to Tomac's one than uh, than the other way around. I would not be surprised if you're right on that. Um, gentlemen, we've spent, uh, nearly two hours on the phone, a hundred, uh, hour and a half of which was, uh, was, was collected, uh, for the podcast. We were supposed to make this about half as much time as that. Um, which, <laughs> did uh, anybody is, expect that to happen? I did. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we, we, we at least attempted, I think kind of 
uh, to keep it kind of short, but uh, the listeners love the banter, and uh, and we look forward to uh, to hearing their predictions as well. We'll we'll, uh, we'll leave that up to them in the comments section on a couple of different social media platforms. Um, before I let you guys go, I really appreciate you giving me some time. If there's anything uh, you'd like to give a, a, a quick promo out to, or uh, where they can find you guys on social media, uh, Mike, go first. Yeah, sure. Uh, first, just a, a quick thank you to uh, Brett Smith, aka We Went Fast, on uh, I think across the social media spectrum. Yeah. Uh, Brett was down at uh, the Racer X offices this week and managed to locate a long-lost notebook with a bunch of my old chromes in it. Uh, And uh, super excited to get them back. Uh, They're en route to me now via U.S. mail. Uh, And one of the photos that's included in those chromes uh, is a shot of Stanton at Southwick that I shot in 93. Uh, That would have been the cover photo on the last edition of Inside Motocross had it ever gone to print. So it's kind of a a cool backstory. Oh, that, that is so awesome. I can't wait to yeah, see that. Yeah, so, That's cool. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a sick photo, and it's uh, uh, Fran Kuhn wrote cover on the Chrome itself. Uh, uh, so I told Brad about that, and he, he actually took a picture, uh, like a proof-of-life picture, and texted it to me. Uh, he's like, yep, that slides in there. So, uh, yeah, and there's a bunch of, you know, so it's, I think most of the photos are 93 Southwick, so it's like Damon and his Axo gear and, you know, uh, Stanton and, you know, all that stuff. So there's a bunch of gems in there and, uh, looking forward to getting them back and getting them digitized. So, uh, once again, thanks to, once again, thanks to, uh, Brett Smith. Right on, man. And where can you be found on social media? Uh, you can find me on, uh, Instagram Sweeney photo, uh, and on Twitter at, M Sweeney photo. Uh, you got to put that M in the front on Twitter because some bastard stole Sweeney photo. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, and the one that they call Fat Cat, Tony Blazer. <laughs> oh, uh, I waited till the very um, end. I tried. <laughs> a shot. Oh, I had to take a shot. Um, you can find my writing. I write uh, columns every other week or so on Pulp MX. Um, this week we should be have a a story going up on the 1992 Honda CR250R. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I post lots of classic photos and videos and stuff, motocross-related things, uh, the occasional fat cat photo, um, at, at Tony Blazer, that's uh, T-O-N-Y-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R. Um, and on Facebook and YouTube, it is the Motocross Vault. Um, so if anyone wants to hit me up, any of those uh places are a great way to find me and you've been adding some great new content to uh the motocross vault uh, recently uh with i guess that like uh, it was up you had like a one-year ban where you couldn't post things more than a year and i guess that's up or what do you mean, post things more than, what do you mean more than a you year? couldn't post you, like, you i think you told me uh, a little while ago that you couldn't post things longer than like 15 minutes or something like that and uh a one oh, month right. ago you yep. posted an, an hour-long video so Yep, yep. You get sometimes you get those things where you run into one of those copyright issues. Somebody puts a, a request to take something down, and then YouTube clips your ability to load anything longer than 15 minutes for six months or a year or whatever. It's a real pain in the rear. Fair enough. Well, uh, you have a ton of, uh, of of content up there now, uh, featuring uh, like you like the the. 
bike history, uh, some Golden State races, uh, even um, even some uh, MX Exposed uh, episodes, which I was pretty, uh, I, I found pretty entertaining. Um, so uh, always appreciate you keeping us uh, up to date on uh, the things from yesteryear. Um, and, and, uh, coming on this podcast and, and bench racing with me, guys, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. Thanks, man. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live what you love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffay, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Culture's clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day, so we created Justified Cultures. Navigate justifiedcultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at justifiedcultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love.
and letters our King Wrecking Ball proclaim. Winnipeg.